This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. can feel it in the air. It is finally the season. And there is a change that is coming. And the change is going to be focused on you. As the globalist leaders have just left COP26 and have now traveled back to their respective nations, they left in their wake what was created by 80-car motorcades, gigantic jet planes, and steak dinners. The promise to take from you what they just enjoyed. Your car. Your ability to take any jet and to remove steak from consideration for your dinner. Of course, they have already started with your automobile. And first, the Biden administration and the combined efforts of the BlackRock-controlled oil companies they decided to limit the extraction, refinery, and delivery of oil and gas. So where the price of unleaded gas here in Tampa Bay in November of 2020 was around $1.87 per gallon, we are now pushing $3.41 per gallon, so nearly an 80% increase, which was all determined by policy. Joe Biden's policies have led to this increase. It isn't just increased demand or, quote, those wacky OPEC countries or Russia or anything else. The massive increase in the price of gasoline is meant to put the squeeze on you. It is meant to have you adjust your spending habits. It is meant to have you adjust your traveling habits. It is meant to have you strongly consider an electric car for the first time. It is meant to control you and to localize you. And when you are looking for a new car, there are no cars. Cars are more rare than finding a 20-carat diamond in your backyard. They claim the issue is microchips and microprocessors, of course, but it isn't. It's about change. Eliminating gasoline-fueled cars from the market and also making the dealership model obsolete. So just like all the things in the Biden administration that is taking its orders from folks like the World Economic Forum, BlackRock, Soros, and China, you, the citizen, the one who is supposed to be able to make your own decisions, you are being pushed in a direction that you don't want to go. You are being told that you must accept radical change in the way you travel, the way you live, and of course... They will blame all sorts of other naturally occurring market factors and production factors caused by COVID-19. But this is actually about changing everything in the United States. And it is about changing you. It is about controlling you. It is about making sure that your travel and your movement is not autonomous. That your movement is not determined volitionally by you. It is eventually about making sure that your travel and movement is allowed by the state. And this is one of the primary ideas that was pushed at COP26 in Scotland. That the entire world, the entire corporate travel world, needs to wind down travel and transportation as we move towards 2030. Gradually, 
month by month, gradually, year by year, begin to eliminate travel and transportation as we know it. And not just automobile travel, but air travel as well. And by 2030, eliminate as much air travel as possible, with only, let's say, the President of the United States, Klaus Schwab, and maybe Bill Gates being able to travel. Now, of course, these restrictions are for the Western nations. These restrictions do not necessarily apply to those nations in the third world. No, those nations will be able to use oil and gas. Those nations will be able to grow and develop, while the Western nations of the United States... Europe and Canada are deconstructed over the next 20 years. The ability for the third world to grow will spike exponentially, using all the tools that the Western nations have used over the past 100 years to grow and to prosper. And that was what was necessary for the nations wrapped up in the Belt Road Initiative of China and those nations that are still hanging on to see what the World Economic Forum will eventually offer them. And much of the production of the great international corporate powers will focus on Africa, the Middle East, and South Central America to build a new postmodern society. Now, all of this change, you will be told, will be used to lower your carbon footprint. Because, of course, if you are driving a gasoline-powered car or flying in a jet-fuel-propelled airplane, you are directly responsible for increasing the demonic size of your carbon footprint. So, restricting your carbon footprint will help you to save the planet. And for your convenience, there will be an ESG credit score to ensure that your compliance and desire to save the Earth from carbon emissions will be determining your ability to have food, to have money, maybe to get a loan. So if you insist on being a poor follower of the new Gaia-inspired religion of Earth worship, your credit score will fall. That's how it works. So while the elite leaders of the world are zooming about in motorcades and jet planes, you must start staying closer to home and riding your bike for now. Now, the other item that I stated that the world leaders were enjoying was, of course, steak. And steak is bad. For you, that is. Really bad. Not just for your cholesterol, that is sort of bad, but much, much worse. You see, that steak causes you to have a larger carbon footprint. I'm not kidding, this is not a joke. Because cows are necessary for real steak. And you need a lot of cows to create all the steaks for folks. And those cows pass a lot of gas. And that gas is filled with methane gas. And all that methane gas really messes with the environment. So, we have to eliminate cows. And of course, steak and hamburgers. Now, of course, we are not going to talk about how millions and millions of buffalo were roaming the North American continent before any man stepped foot onto the North American Midwest but we have to eliminate all that methane and eliminate cows. Now, if your credit card provider notices that you are spending money on steaks, well, that could be a problem. A problem with your credit score. 
And what is going to happen is that those Americans that switch to vegetarianism will receive enormous credit benefits, and those useless meat eaters will be punished. Severely. A really difficult problem if you don't back off the meat and grab the asparagus and kale. You see, the way of life that you need to embrace is the sustainable life. It must be sustainable. And as my partner James Lindsay has been saying recently on New Discourses, sustainability is going to be the buzzword of the century. And there won't be anywhere that you can go where you won't hear about sustainable practices in business and industry, sustainable foods and agriculture, sustainable energy, and so on. Businesses and governments sign on to sustainable development goals. And so civil responsibility is framed in terms of this seemingly simple idea of sustainability. But what does sustainability really mean and what does it entail? Who has decided what this new measure that we must all now live by actually is? What is this new sustainability? Well, it's not what you think it is. Most of it is sourced in Herbert Marcuse's New Leftism of the 1960s and 70s and explains how sustainability has become Marcuse's new sensibility. In other words, sustainability is the new way of thinking about the world so that we can have liberation, which is to say, communism. In other words, all those things that you desire, all those things that you have, that new backscratcher, let's say, that new silky shampoo that you picked up from CVS, those new running shoes that you just got from the sporting goods store, or that new set of golf clubs. Well, that's all junk. And it will end up as junk. You don't need that. And it will end up in the garbage dump. At least that's what they say. And you will have it for a few years. And then you will throw it away and buy another thing, whatever it is. And you, you selfish, useless eater, you will just junk up the planet year after year. You see, you need to be more sustainable. You need less stuff. Fewer choices. I mean, why do you need to have 60 choices of shampoo anyway? Why do you need to have 30 choices of toothpaste? I mean, really, why do you need to have hundreds of choices of shoes and shirts and dresses? Well, that's all eventually junk. And it isn't sustainable. And the way that you live, driving around everywhere, to the gym, to the grocery store, to your work, well, that pollutes. That also creates more junk with that old car when you get rid of it. And when you buy a new one, all those new cars built every year that in 10 years will be scrapped, well, that whole process is not sustainable. And all those cows and pigs and chickens that create all that methane and take up all that land and eat all that grain, and we just trash most of them anyway, well, that way of eating isn't sustainable. You need to eliminate all of your food choices. You need to have less. You need to be 
more collective, less individual, and more communal, more sustainable. And as a matter of fact, one of the worst things that we can do is find a man or a woman that you love. Get married. Create more junk. Buy more junk. Eat all sorts of very junky food and create more human units that create more junk. And keep that completely unsustainable lifestyle going year after year. Especially if you have lots of those human units. Lots of mouths to feed. A lot more junk being created. A lot more water being consumed. Because that is all humans are. Junk creators. So you want to eliminate this whole family thing and having kids thing. You want to slow that down. You see, it isn't sustainable. You want to limit child production. You want to limit human reproduction. You want a smaller human population. You want a more controllable human population. You want a sustainable humanity. A human population that is strategically created apart from all those old tribal ideas. Away from those old family hierarchies. Because families just create more junk and more allegiances to those old tribes. You want the state to be the family. And the family to be the state. A sustainable state. A perfected state. A controllable state. So you don't want men and women flirting, falling in love, and starting those wasteful and sustainable families of exploding populations. You want a controlled state. And to do that, you have to keep them apart. And you have to convince them that they aren't even attracted to the opposite sex. Because then, you can eliminate family traditions. You eliminate the need to make your family proud. And also, the only thing that they will fight for is the new revolution. For the new state. Because the state is their family and their family is now the state. And if you want to know what has arrived and what will be quickly coming in the next few years, if you want to know the future and what it will look like in the next eight years, well, George Orwell said it the best in 1984. And this was in his book, 1984, when the state representative of Ingsoc was speaking to the rebelling Winston. And this is what he said to Winston. Quote, there will be no curiosity, no enjoyment of the process of life. All competing pleasures will be destroyed. But always, don't forget this, Winston, always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing more subtle. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling, 
on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. If you want to stop this future from happening, then it will take all of us, not just listening to podcasts, but becoming active and sacrificial, being willing to sacrifice everything to save the future. If you want hope, look to the moms and the dads that stood up against the radical progressives in Loudoun County, Virginia. Now, That energy must be every day and every hour until we win. There is no rest. This is our very brief, very small window of opportunity. And if we don't take this opportunity right now, in whatever way we can, there will be no second chance. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.